Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Okay, it's going to take me a minute. Um, Uh-oh. My husband just texted from the hospital, and my brother-in-law, Joe, is home with Jesus. And so I want to thank and praise God. I want to praise God for life and for the gift of life and for the gift of life eternal and for the provision God has made for us in eternity and for the knowledge of salvation and for the resurrection power. And that's, that's what I want to say, and I want to claim it. My brother-in-law, Joe, um, is a believer, and so I know he's at home with Jesus. Um, it's not going to make it any easier to live here without him. Precious man. Um, his life was hard. Joe's life was hard. Um, I don't think Joe ever got over um, the trauma and the challenges that he faced when he was a little kid, um, but he was a man after God's own heart, and he lived a redeemed life. He struggled with addiction at one point. He lost a child. So, you know, part of the reunion story that's going on right now in heaven is Joe is with Joey, and that's a gift. So um, praising God today from whom all blessings flow, counting every good and perfect gift which comes from above, counting one another and the gift of life um, and and begging you, begging you, if you haven't, if you haven't given your life to Jesus who gave his life for you, I want to invite you to do that today because there's no way you will be able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death or the grief that comes when someone you love dies. If you don't have the confidence of where they are and who they're with and that you one day will be with them as well. So praising God for the life of Joseph LaBerge. We're going to take a brief break. Dr. Peter Kapsner joins us next. Hey, my brother Peter Kapsner joins us now. We talk every single week, and um, I don't know. Now we may or may not talk about the things we'd plan to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Carmen, I'm just so sorry. I just am devastated for you, and, and you know, the, the words fail, right, in these situations. I, I think yep. what you said is about the only thing that actually can be said, and um, the this is when the illusory bubbles of our life uh, pop, as I think for all of us, we know that they do. And, and, and here's the nice thing is I know you're not living in an illusory bubble. Like I, I, I've known you for these many years now, and I, I know that what you 
you say, off the air. And this is not a game. This is not something that you just want a job. Like you believe down to your toes that this kingdom thing is real and, and that yep. this life is short and brief. Um, it's hard. Uh, and yet there is a, a great hope. And, and so the grief with hope, um, that, mm-hmm. that weird mix that only kingdom people can experience where the fullness of grief hits and, and, uh, and yet if the, the fullness of hope is in the midst of the grief somehow, I, I know you believe that that's real. And I'm really sorry for just the suddenness of all uh, of all of this. It doesn't take away from the grief, right, at all. And it doesn't right. take away from the hope. But it but it is ooh, that the, it's, the trauma stuff is real. Yeah, the you know, it's um, we prepared ourselves. Right. I mean, we we have been um Joe contracted COVID three weeks ago now and uh, wasn't able, his body wasn't able to, you know, fight it at home. And so, I don't know, 12 days ago, he went into the hospital and it's been a declining situation and they, they did what was available um, for them to do. And we, we were prepared at some level, but you're still never prepared, right? That's just yeah. the reality of the, the finality of the moment of life and death. And um, so, um. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. Well, yeah, understanding. And, and I know, you, yeah, mm-hmm. you've been open with your story too. I mean, death is is a familiar foe. I don't want to call it necessarily yep. a friend, but it's it's a familiar foe. And and I think, um, I don't know, without getting you know much into different sorts of stories, I, I was diagnosed with a, with a terminal diagnosis for a period of time in my life, and it was lifted because it was an improper diagnosis. But what you just said about walking through the valleys of the shadows. I don't know how you walk through those valleys of the shadows unless the shepherd is holding your hand in the midst of those places too. You, you often can't even really see the shepherd in those moments. You just know you're being led in ways that are, are indescribable. So I share the, um, the passion with which you called out and just said, if you haven't done that, like if you don't have a shepherd for that deal, <clears throat> there really is there, there, it, it is the most miserable of all misery. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as you um, as as everybody is now in this conversation together, thank thank you to the dozens of people who've already texted in. Oh, thank sure. you. Yeah. You guys are just precious. Um, you know, I, I want you to also hear us say we recognize that every single one of us has lost friends and coworkers and loved ones who did not know Jesus. Um, and we know that like I'm acutely aware of that. And that is that is painful. Peter, I also know that it is, um, you know, there's there's this opportunity that comes when someone close to you dies. You're just free. You are so free mm-hmm. to um, talk about Jesus. You're so free to talk about um, the thin, that very thin space between life and death. Yeah. You're free to talk about life eternal in ways that, you know, sometimes uh, feel uncomfortable I mean, I got to tell you, you you have somebody who you love who dies and the the evangelism window opens wide because our our ability as Christians to actually make sense of it. Right. It's death makes sense to us. It's not uh, it's not a foreign reality. And we know why it happens and we know what happens after it happens. And both of those things are a mystery to people who are operating outside of the knowledge of God. Yeah, you're so right, Carmen. I, I think about the 
few funerals that I've had a chance to officiate, and uh, I, I love both weddings and funerals for different reasons in terms of being able to officiate that. But you just use the word thin space and the ability to evangelize in those moments. And you, you're not exploiting the situation to evangelize. It simply just creates space to talk about uh, the, the possibility of the good news. And uh, I'll never forget with a family <clears throat> where I didn't know the man uh, who had passed away, but they had asked me as the pastor in the church to officiate the ceremony, and uh, they they played for me before the ceremony started uh, the fact that this man went under the waters of baptism uh, on like an old school audio cassette tape, right? So there was not video, there was no phone capturing or footage. It was it was well before phones and uh, would would do that. And they played it for me, and, and the footage was him going under the waters and then coming out and declaring that he does believe that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. And they wanted to play that in the funeral itself. And I'll tell you what. Uh, it was almost as if uh, heaven and earth had converged as one in that moment when through the funeral hall was echoing this man's incredible confession and profession of faith. And and you could just, it, it was maybe the most sacred moment I've had a chance to experience because it was almost as if he, um, you knew that even though he had died, yet he was alive still. And and you could just feel God inviting people, just just confess, just profess that he really is the son of God. He really has conquered death. That tomb really is empty. And because it's empty, <clears throat> we can stand in this funeral hall some 2,000 years later and both celebrate his life, grieve his passing, but to celebrate also where he's at. I, I've never experienced anything like it. And And believers and non-believers alike sitting in that funeral hall that day encountered a very living Jesus who who has risen. And, and that's where our hope is in the grief. So you're right. It creates space exactly for those kind of conversations, unlike anything else. Yeah. For those of you just joining us, um, I realize that we are in the middle of a conversation that if you didn't hear the opening of the show where I just learned, um, my my husband went to the hospital this morning. They called and said, if you want to see your brother, Joe, um, you know, now's the time you need to come. And so Jim left just about 10 minutes before I came on the air. And so I didn't really know what was happening. And, um, and he texted, um, just before we came on air for this hour, sharing that, um, Joe has gone home to be with Jesus. And so, um, for those of you asking now, Joe is my brother-in-law, my husband's only brother, his older brother. And, so, yeah, so we're walking um, with Dr. Peter Kapsner in the Valley of the Shadow of Death. We're not talking about all the things that he and I had planned to talk about today. And, you know, I think that is um, that is a testimony as well, Peter. Like, we have to go where where the Spirit leads and directs in a conversation. We can't always have the conversation that we plan to have. So maybe we'll pause there, take a brief break, and when we come back, I don't know, we might keep talking about this or... I don't know. We might talk about genderless weddings. I don't know. See, that doesn't seem nearly as important right now. It doesn't right, seem uh, as important. I agree. <laughs> or math. We might talk about math. That's up next that on is, Mornings with Carmen. never been nearly as important for me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are continuing our conversation. Uh, it wasn't a conversation that we planned to have today, but it is one of those conversations that Every single one of us in Christ stands ready to have, and that is the conversation um, that happens in the face of death. And so I learned just before we came on air at the top of the hour that my brother-in-law, um, Joe LaBerge, my husband's only brother, um, passed away. Jim was with him, um, and that is a, that is a grace. Um, God's grace is sufficient. 
and and if God's grace isn't sufficient for this, it doesn't matter what else His grace is sufficient for. Mm-hmm. And so, um, thank you for all of those of you who are texting in your prayers and your concerns. Um, deeply appreciated. I know you're with me, uh, and I also know that um, you know we stand ready to weep with each other. We rejoice with each other a lot, particularly when Peter's on the show. Um, But we also stand ready to grieve with each other. There is something about being a part of the Christian community, the family of faith in these moments that is really important. It is. I just got actually some chills when you said that last part too, Carmen, about uh, being a part of that community of faith. I don't to, to bear each other's burdens is it can become almost a, a tired biblical phrase until you actually begin to bear each other's burdens. And and I think that's exactly what is happening. I, I know you feel it keenly for the people who listen every morning that you go on air to help intercede and to bring wisdom and to uh, bring help and equipping into people's lives and uh, the outpouring, of course, and support the other direction. I mean, think, think about the beauty of that in the midst of the tragic variability of life, because the reality is, is whatever's in our, our social calendars or whatever we think might greet us in a given day, I, I can only really think of one way to greet the day, and that is, you know, morning by morning, new mercies I see, great is thy faithfulness, and, and trust that in whatever variability of the day is going to greet us in the midst of this broken world, that um, God is faithful. But not only that, when, when the people of God are faithful together with one another to, to carry each other's burdens, it's... There's, you were talking, you were talking about math before the break. I don't, I, I'm terrible at math, right? Once I get past the long division, it gets really dodgy from there. On a <laughs> okay, now of wait a levels, second. Right? Just, we do have to pause there for just a moment because you did demonstrate <laughs> yesterday to Paul and I that you know how to multiply by 14. I, I well, okay, so that that's fair enough. But but having the technology of a calculator <laughs> was wildly useful uh, in 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 those moments. But, but okay, can I tell they, people the inside joke really quickly, please, and then yeah, you can no, get back I, to your serious we'll talk point. talk about this in weeks ahead for sure. Yes. Yeah, we are definitely talking about this in the weeks ahead. In fact, Peter and I are going to be on air for a full hour together during during um, fall share in a couple of weeks, and our entire hour might be spent just on multiples of fourteen. And here's why. Yeah. So um, there was a woman during the season of Lent, right, the 40 days leading up to Easter, she had chosen as a spiritual practice to um, fast from eating meat. And she was 30 days into her fast when she saw an advertisement from McDonald's for a cheeseburger or some kind of burger. I don't really know. I don't know. We, we it's Really, we probably need more information about specifically yeah, what likely, advertisement right? she McDonald's. saw. Because yeah, it likely. was a, it was apparently so the ad was so good that she was led to break her fast. And so she has sued McDonald's for this moral damage done to her, this ongoing moral damage, um, because she was led by their advertisement to break her fast. So then I so I forwarded that to Peter as, oh, we have to talk about this story. And then I read the rest of the story, which is she's suing for the equivalent of fourteen dollars. And I. I thought to myself, what is the value of my moral pain? Because $14, like that does not seem like a lot to be living with ongoing guilt for having, you know, this spiritual moral damage that she has suffered. But you and I can unpack that on a later date. But that was so then, yeah, so Peter did the multiples of 14 um, 
dance with us yesterday wow. during and, via emails. And, mm-hmm. and and when it was uh, when we decided that the moral damage that Paul Perot creates for me every day, I come into the studio with, <laughs> whoa, with whoa, insults. Whoa, whoa, That's fourteen. Whoa, whoa. I, I think I, I, only, I only did the first couple months of this year, and it was two hundred fifty-three, Carmen. And I, granted, I was rounding up on half insults, but Paul, the moral damage Paul has done in this time is is substantial at this point. But you like being picked uh, on. That's your love language. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't do it, that would be moral damage world. to you. Yes, in my warped world, teasing is a love language. That's a really, that's a rough place to be. <laughs> fair is fair here, um, All right, so we um, we're working um, to to bring levity uh, back into the conversation today, in part because Peter and um, Paul both know that I have to get prepared to do an author interview at the bottom half of the hour, and so. Um, Although, you know, obviously we are going to spend time as a family grieving the loss of my um, precious brother-in-law here on the air. We are probably moving through that subject matter faster than most people. It's like probably for some people like, wow, that was speedy. Um, Mm. But Peter and I and Paul, like we there's a joy um, about Joe being in heaven that is really indescribable. And so thank you for those of you who are texting in. I'm going to have to figure out how to print all of those out um, because Jim will want to read them as well and know that you all have been praying with us and for us. Um, Peter, you were probably about to make a really important point when I interrupted (laughs) on the conversation about the multiples of 14. Well, it's it's far less important than multiples of fourteen. Clearly, right? <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about the idea of kingdom math. Then, so if I if I don't know my multiples of fourteen, and I clearly don't without the help of a calculator, I, I do think that there's a kingdom math somehow that if, if you have close people, and this is the value, or this is among the many values of having dear friends with whom to walk through life, or people in a community, is somehow that burden that we carry when it's shared by another person. It's almost like it's not fifty fifty. Like they get fifty percent, and we get fifty percent, or if there's three or four people in your life, 33%, 25%, it somehow is distributed in a way that you that the weight is almost entirely lifted in so many incredible ways. So I don't know how God's kingdom math works entirely. I just know for the people <clears throat> listening this morning, and, and I know you have these people in your life too, to be able to share these burdens, to be open and vulnerable and transparent with other people in, in, in trusted relationships, it's it's a weird thing. And I'm sure you've experienced it, Carmen, that the burden is still there, but it is shared almost like the loaves and fishes somehow, that the math is exponential in some ways that don't make any sense to me. And I think these are the things about life in the kingdom, these wonderful, beautiful, deeper magic, hidden mysteries kinds of things, that when our confidence is shaken in in following Jesus because of the tragedy of this world, those are the things that he brings as sort of this deeper anchoring that that restores that sense of confidence. And And obviously, we're all with you in this in exactly those ways. So let me take a minute here and say thank you to Tammy, Mary, Jack, Purin, Kim, Megan, Kathy, Mary, Jennifer, Debbie, Stephen, Dean and Carolyn, Jacqueline, Cindy, Talia, uh, Lisa, Randy and Jean, Martha and Manchester, Lori, Jeff, Julie, Marianne. Reverend Castro, Eve, Jessica, um, thank you. Um, Thank you to each of you and all of you. Thank you to those of you who texted in whose names I don't know because your uh, number shows up um, as a phone number. So thank you to my friends in the 618, the 717, the 701, the 612. Uh, 
563-218. Thank you also to Sheila and Kim. Thank you to each and every one of you who um, have prayed for me, have been praying with us in relationship to my brother-in-law, Joe. Um, Thank you for your text this morning on the text line. Each and every one of you is absolutely precious to me. Um, We are in this together. Peter, thank you for um, your willingness to just, you know, have a conversation at the foot of the cross and uh, and at the empty tomb, um, hands held high uh, in resurrection glory and acknowledging that a brother has passed from this life to the next and we will all enjoy uh, heaven together. Thanks, brother. Indeed. I really appreciate Indeed. it. Indeed. Yeah, I'll celebrate and grieve with you today, my friend. Thank you. We're going to take a break for Breakpoint. All right, we are going to move back in the direction of our planned conversations now. And so joining me next, Ashley Chestnut. And let me just tell you, we're going to talk about something that... Well, frankly, a lot of people don't talk about, Um, and it's about women and sexuality. And the question, you know, or the questions, is there something wrong with me? Um, What if, you know, I'm not really who everybody thinks I am. Do other women feel like this? Am I crazy? Maybe it's just me. I think I need help. Not that I could tell anyone. I mean, I can't just stop. I always tell myself, girl, you're out of control. How do you... How did it get this far, go this far? I can't keep this up. I wonder, is there any hope for me? Yep. Actually, all of that is on the cover of the book, uh, which is entitled, It's Not Just You. Ashley Chestnut joins me next. Don't be afraid, Jesus said. Take courage. I am here. This is Max Locato. Power inhabits these words to awaken in an ICU and hear your husband say, I am here? To lose your retirement yet feel the support of your family and the words, we are here? When a little eager spots mom and dad in the bleachers watching the game, I am here changes everything. Perhaps that's why God repeats the I am here pledge so often. I am with you always to the very end of the age. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. We cannot go where God is not. Look over your shoulder. That's God following you. Look into the storm. That's Christ coming toward you. This is Max Locato. Chestnut joins me. She serves as the Associate Young Adult Minister at the Church at Brook Hills in Birmingham, Alabama. She is now the author of It's Not Just You. Um, And let me just say that Ashley and I are going to talk about something on air that, frankly, girls think they're not supposed to talk about. So, Ashley, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for having me, Carmen. All right. So um, this is one of those conversations that um, is kind of hard to start And so I'm just going to start it this way. Um, We're going to talk about sex. uh, And I think maybe we just start with a reality check because we often think of sexual sin, sexual addiction as those are guy issues. Those are issues that men deal with. But the reality is lots of women deal with 
an entire range of sexual sins. So maybe just start with what the research reveals. Well, I mean, I can tell you really from just the ministry that I do being on a church staff, and that's women struggle if a man struggles with it, a woman is going to struggle with it too. It may be mm-hmm. to a different degree, or it may be for different reasons, or it may be for the same reasons. But I think we need to just dispel the myth that only men struggle with sexual sin. And so um, when we talk about, uh, you know, what we know statistically or from surveys about um, the challenges that women are are faced with in terms of sexual sin and and really kind of suffering with it in silence in terms of um, the help out there, which is what your book addresses, and I truly appreciate that. According to a survey conducted by Barna in the United States, 16% of single women say they view porn at least twice a month. Um, Lots of women um, say, you know, they have viewed pornography at least several times, you know, just in the past week. Um, Surveys about sexual sin, sexual brokenness, sexual addiction, indicate that women are struggling with these things, but these are not things that we often talk about in the church. So invite us into the healthy, redeemed conversation about sex as women. Thanks, Carmen. Wow, there's so many places that you could go and talk about. And I I would just like to say, first of all, if you are listening to this and you struggle with sexual sin, know that there is grace for that. Know that the Lord is a safe place to go to. If you are coming to him, he offers grace. He offers forgiveness. He offers love. He offers compassion. And he doesn't... um, I mean, even if you think about Romans 8, 1, where it's talking about there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you are struggling with something that Jesus died to forgive you of. And there is, um, you can't out God's grace and ability and, and desire to forgive. So I would say start there. Know that if you're struggling with something, know that you don't have to try to clean yourself up before you come to God. You can just come to him. Yeah, I appreciate um your approach to the conversation in terms of freedom, um, because I do think that sexual sin, because it is something that we tend to hide, we don't talk about, we don't want to talk about. If we were to bring it up, it would probably make everyone else very uncomfortable. It might be making people uncomfortable right now. Um, The good news is that, you know, this is radio and or people are going to listen to this as a podcast where they have some space um, to you know, look themselves in the mirror and, you know, acknowledge some of these things. What has been um, or what are some of the misconceptions that people have um, about sexual sin? And maybe in particular, what are some misconceptions that women have about sexual sin? Wow. Well, I would say there's, let let me start with sex addiction. We're just going to go all the way there, Carmen. Um, Even if you're thinking about sex addiction, there's a lot of misconceptions about what a sex addict might look like. Or, I mean, we we tend to have like a stripper or we have somebody on a porn video in mind, but the sex addicts that I know look just like you and me. It can look like your average housewife or your average businesswoman. And then there's misconceptions about what you are actually addicted to. And pretty much if you can struggle with it sexually, you can be addicted to it. So that can be pornography, that can be masturbation, that can be um, sex and love addiction where you're 
um, or a romance addict. Um, so it, there's a spectrum of things here. And I, I think when we think about sexual sin, we forget there's a lot of nuance to whatever it is a person is struggling with. I had a um, I had a friend once who like her her proclivity was that she really thought men should worship her and and in mm-hmm. this particular way and I'm like so there's a displaced there can be a there can be a completely misplaced understanding um, of God and our relationship with God and who we are I mean there can be identity issues wound up in all of this but we can also um, find places where we are free to talk about sexual sin. Um, and so let's let's offer that up. How do we get to a place where we're free to talk about sexual sin um, when it comes to women? I think it's important to find safe people and, and particularly safe people in the church. And, and that's often a question I get from women is how do I know if somebody is safe to talk to about whatever mm-hmm. I'm struggling with because we often do, we fear condemnation, we fear um, that people will shame me, that whatever I'm struggling with is my version of a scarlet letter. And, and so I would say, if you think about the fruit of the spirit, if you think about 1 Corinthians 13, and what those passages of scripture are saying should be characteristics of us as God's people, look for someone of the same gender who is demonstrating and modeling those characteristics. And I would say, start there. They're demonstrating fruit of the spirit. They're demonstrating a 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. And, and then also offer up test balloons. So I often will have girls do that with me where before they jump to the hardest thing to share or confess, mm. they'll start with something, and I'm doing air quotes, they'll start with something lighter, um, but they want to see how do I respond to that? Do I listen well? And do I actively listen? Do I ask questions or do I just jump to um trying to fix them. So how am I demonstrating that I'm a safe person just even in the way I respond to someone sharing anything? All right. That is really so helpful. We've had lots of those conversations in relationship to uh, people who have had um, a traumatic event in their past um, or have been sexually assaulted. And, you know, how do you become a person who is safe to share that with? And how do you, you know, uh, walk with a person um, in in and through those experiences, and so this is this is parallel to that. This is alongside that. So we are talking. Uh, we are talking with Ashley Chestnut. We're talking about her book. It's not just you. Yes, we have copies to give away. You can text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. The subject matter is sexual sin, um, specifically in relationship to women. It's not just you. We're going to take a very brief break, and then we'll be right back. I am not alone. Continuing my conversation with Ashley Chestnut. She serves as the Associate Young Adult Minister at the Church at Brook Hills in Birmingham, Alabama. And we are talking today about her new book, It's Not Just You. Um, it's not just you. And That's we're right. talking about women and we're talking about the struggle with sexual sin and how we walk alongside one another in those conversations and how we fight sexual sin and um, and where we find freedom. So, um, Ashley, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the fight against sexual sin and maybe the challenges that are particular to women. 
Yeah, so I think it's helpful to start out and just understand that if you have been fighting against sexual sin, or if you haven't even started that journey yet, know that it's likely to not be an instantaneous victory. It's going to be a process and it's going to be a journey to unpack what are the reasons for why I'm doing this in the first place? What are my motivations? What am I hoping to get out of it? And then it, it also takes time to um, change patterns of behavior. So we need to look beyond the symptom and, and sexual sin is a symptom and we need to look at the root of it and treat things at the root. And that's a process. All right, getting down to the root of things, um, you know, that is uncomfortable, right? It is. <laughs> and so t- when you say this is a process, when you say this is a journey, when you say, um, you know, why am I doing it? What are my motivations? What's the root? You're talking about us going deep and and probably going back. Uh, one, one of our um, folks who's listening chimed in and said, there's often a lot of brokenness that leads a woman Uh, to sexual sin, because we think that's all we have to offer. And you're right. And your listener is right. There's often so much woundedness. It's not unusual for there to be trauma. And so I think it's important to realize that sometimes we need people to journey with us. Sometimes we need counseling. Sometimes we need friends or, or bigger support systems like recovery groups if it's an addiction. And so recognizing we need a team of people who walk with us. But if we're going to fight things at the root and there's trauma or there's woundedness there from our family, we might need professional help. And it's okay to realize that. Right. And so, um, you know, maybe speak to that. Um, Somebody listening right now who recognizes that they have a sexual addiction, um, there is a a sexual brokenness from which they would like to be healed. Um, How do they go about finding, I mean, we talked about being a safe person and talking to a safe person, but as you have just described, I mean, sometimes that includes some professional help. How, what does that look like? Because I definitely want it to be a Christian. I definitely want it to be a person who's going to walk me into um, the freedom conversation, you know, with grace and recognizing that Christ has set me free. So can you help us with that a little bit? Yes. And I would love to say that there is an abundance of Christian counselors in every community, but that's not always the case. And and so I don't want to assume that your readers will just be able to go down the street and be able to see a Christian counselor. Um, but I would say if it is a sex addiction, there is a certified sex addiction therapist. They're called CSAT. So if you're reading a counselor's bio, and I always recommend read a counselor's bio, read their website, and and so see what are their specialties? What do they say they believe? You can always email or ask questions about how do you practice? What do you believe about the Bible? Will you respect um, the beliefs that I have, especially if you don't have a Christian counselor in your area? And then I would say, you know, with COVID, there has become an abundance of online counseling options. And so I would investigate that and what online options are there if you are searching for a Christian counselor? All right, so It's Not Just You by Ashley Chestnut. Um, we're talking about addressing healing from working our way through 
sexual sin and brokenness, particularly in relationship to women. We are giving away copies of the book today. If you'd like to enter the drawing, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, Ashley, I'm wondering, you know, how how have people responded? Um, obviously, you've had opportunity to work through this material with women in your own church and community. Um, so this grows out of real ministry. I think that's important for people to know. Um, but I'm. What are you hoping for in terms of using using this to equip the church to better have the conversations that need to be had in this area? Yes, great question. So when I wrote this book, I wrote it with really two audiences in mind. One is the person struggling with sexual sin, the woman who is struggling with it, and I want her to know she's not alone. I want her to know. Um, that sh- that God has a design and that God's design is good. And I want her to have some practical next steps that she can take. The other person that I wrote this book for are people who are like me that work with women. And that might be on a church staff. That might be a Sunday school teacher, a small group leader. Maybe it's just a friend. And you are just like, I don't even know what to do when this person is telling me what they're struggling with. I don't have a framework to understand. I don't know how to help them or journey alongside them. So this offers them basic information, but it also gives them some tools about how do I be a good friend and alongsider. So let me uh, commend this book to you if you're listening right now. I feel like part two of the book, God's Design for Sex, is so important, and it's important for everybody to understand. We have talked a lot uh, on the show about how do we communicate the answer to the questions about sex and what sex is and how God designed it and why God designed it that way. Um, Ashley does as good a job as anybody I've ever seen um, dealing specifically with that content subject matter. So God's Design for Sex is part two of this book. Um, and then she talks a lot in that uh, in that chapter or in that sec- section of the book over a course of chapters, why sexual sin is sin. It is really great content. The rest of the book is is excellent as well and gets to the particularities of how we walk through this process and who we are as the person dealing with it, how to identify the roots of our sexual struggles walk alongside those um, in, in their brokenness. And then there's tons of stuff in the appendices um, that that you'll find very helpful as well. The book is It's Not Just You. Ashley Chestnut is the author. We're giving copies away today from our friends over at B&H. And so text the word book to 877-933-2484. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks, Carmen. That was a real blessing. All right, we'll be right back. All right. Thank you again for um, all of your expressions of prayers and concerns, sympathy, um, condolences. I genuinely appreciate them. Thank you today for your prayers as we engage in, you know, the immediate checklist. If you've never made um, sort of a mm, immediate checklist, what what do I have to do um, when somebody I love dies, especially if they die suddenly? Um it's probably a good list to have around because you're, you won't be thinking of all those things in the moment. And so um, always a good opportunity to just have very candid conversations with the people that we love. Um, 
you know, who who's on your accounts? And um, have you thought about what you want to have happen um, with your body and at a service of celebration, not only of your life, but of the resurrection of Jesus? Uh, and so, yes, let's talk about heaven and let's talk about the joy of salvation. Uh, but then let's also talk practically with one another. And so if you haven't had those practical conversations with the people in your life, you know what? You can use me today as your exemplar and you can say, wow, I have this friend. Her name is Carmen and her her husband's brother died really quite suddenly. Um, and now, you know, they have this list of a thousand pragmatic things that they have to accomplish. And I guess that just opens up the possibility. I'd really like to talk with you today about some of those things, because I don't know that we've ever talked about, like, what songs would you want sung and who would you want to sing them? And who do you want to stand up and bear witness and testimony to the resurrection power of Jesus in your life? Or maybe that's the conversation you need to have about the resurrection power of Jesus in your life, heaven, and what's actually going to happen to us when we die. We're Christians. We know the answer to that question. We know what happens when we die. Um, So let's be honest about that today. Um, And again, thank you so much for bearing with me in all the times of joy and in this time of sorrow as well. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.